This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 972, a conversation with Scott Doonbeer. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. This is episode 972. I'm your host, Adam Chapman, and we continue the march to episode 1000, which may or may not be the uh, either the last episode of the show or the signal of a, of a huge format change where we'll go from being uh, two times a, a week to maybe once every couple of weeks, and hopefully that'll mean a, an uptick in quality and more time spent on episodes. Uh, after almost 10 years, it's hard to keep up a, as rigorous a pace as uh, two episodes a week, which even with one of them being the five to 10 minutes is still a lot of uh, recording. Uh, this episode is one I'm really excited about. Uh, we have Scott Doonbeer coming back to the show. Uh, he was previously on episode 762, uh, which actually came out March 24th, 2020. Nothing important happened in March 2020, right? Uh, so I'm very excited. I'm actually recording this intro before, prior to uh, the episode. I want to make sure the episode goes up as soon as possible. So I want to get the, the pre-roll uh, kind of in the bag uh, before I record. So I'm, as I record this, I'm about to speak with Scott in the next 25 minutes. So I'm very excited to have him back on the show. There's going to be hopefully a lot of questions for the Marvel Masterworks Forum uh, coming as well. Um, you know, And I, it's going to be exciting. Uh, I'm excited for this episode. I'm hoping it, it lives up to my expectations. But Scott's a great storyteller, and I'm really interested to kind of get into the weeds on what the last two years have been like, what the, the delays were like, uh, what the process was like, because he'd said, if you go back and listen to episode 762, which I highly recommend, he had mentioned where at that, that point that some of the stuff had been you know kind of canceled and travel, and he was about to go places to do scans of, of material for the artist edition, so I'm really curious uh, how the pandemic has affected that. So uh, you can look forward to some of those questions on the uh, upcoming interview that you're about to listen to. You can always email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com, rate the show on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and also listen to us on Stitcher. Uh, thanks again for listening. I really appreciate it. And uh, thanks for downloading. Again, we have a, a great uh, back catalog. Uh, I mean, at this point, we have 971 other episodes if you want to go back and listen to them. Um, I would recommend the odd-numbered episodes. Sorry, the even-numbered episodes are the, the ones I would recommend going back to. The odd numbers were, for the most part, uh, comic reviews, and those obviously are more time-sensitive and less interesting as time goes on. But the uh, even-numbered ones are, uh, at least from episodes 250 forwards, uh, there's a lot of interviews sprinkled in there so if you're the first if this is your first time on the channel or first time listening to the podcast i do recommend you kind of uh, search those out there's interviews with zeb wells tom defalco um ron friends uh, ron mars uh dg chichester and nascenti chris claremont uh, just to name a couple, um, and obviously Scott Doombeer, um, Doombeer, sorry. Um, so there's a lot of good ones. Go check them out. I've pr- rambled on for three minutes. Let's get right into the conversation. Thanks for listening. You can email me at comicshenanigans.gmail.com. Like I said, rate and review the show on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and also listen to us on Stitcher. Thanks again for listening, and let's jump right into the conversation with Scott Doombeer. Enjoy. Scott, welcome back to the Comic Shenanigans podcast. How are you? Good, Adam. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely, it's a it's a pleasure. It was funny. I was I was re-listening to our, our last chat, which was uh, a pretty interesting time to be having a conversation, which was March twenty twenty. So not a lot's obviously happened in the last two years. 
<laughs> so I'm really curious just to kind of jump in on, you know, what your business has been like in the last two years. I mean, when we last chatted, it was obviously right when, you know, we were having shutdowns and travel plans were getting postponed and conventions were starting to get canceled. And given the nature of your business and how, you know, you would often go to shows and you'd find, you know, artwork and you do scans, etc. How did that kind of initial shutdown kind of inter- impact your planning in terms of the books you were working on that were, you know, not maybe on the schedule yet from us as consumers, but you guys were still actively working on them. So how did it impact you guys in terms of your development process? Um, <clears throat> not really that much. You know, honestly, I, uh, yeah, I travel to shows and I, and I scan artwork and I arrange seeing people around shows um, more than I actually scan at shows. Hmm. But, um, you know, I, I have still been doing some traveling, you know, uh, um, seven or eight months ago, I was on a whirlwind trip back east in North Carolina and New Jersey and New York and Washington, D.C., so I could uh, um, scan uh, uh, a bunch of Todd McFarlane pages for the upcoming Todd McFarlane Artist Edition, the Spider-Man Artist Edition. Mm-hmm. So let's let's jump right into talking about that. And obviously, that was a, a big one that you know people find out about it, and that's a, a really exciting one. And obviously, a lot, you know, we we recently had the Jim Lee one that finally came out in twenty twenty one. But now you have you know this Todd McFarlane volume. Was this on something that it's kind of been on your bucket list for a while to get this put together, or this, did this always feel like a no brainer if you could find enough pages? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, there's no question that Jim Lee and Todd McFarlane are you know, arguably the most popular comic artist of the last 30 years, you know, and uh, um, that is reflected in the reception of the Jim Lee X-Men book, which is, you know, our best-selling artist edition to date. And uh, I'm sure that uh, the McFarlane Spider-Man one will be uh, up there as well. When you had the Jim Lee one, kind of, and it's interesting going back and again listening to my previous interview with you because obviously you knew the Jim Lee one was coming. It wasn't something announced yet, so you kind of hinted that there was something big in, on the horizon that it was going to be a popular one. Uh, and obviously you were right. It was I guess it wasn't a surprise to you that it kind of eclipsed Daredevil uh, Born Again as kind of being the top selling item. Well, you have to remember that we've changed our distribution system mm. in the last couple of years um the jim lee book was one of the first books that we went through prh penguin random house Mm. uh and that made all the difference you know it was a um it was a massive success better selling than even the than the david mazzucchelli book um but you know it had the advantage of a much wider range than the traditional diamond distribution system. Mm. Um, you know, I think if if we were to do David Mazzucchelli's Daredevil Born Again today, um, I have no doubt the orders would be significantly higher than they were originally. Mm. It's an interesting concept, yeah, because I guess you're right, because this was, you know, more easily available. I, I remember seeing, like, artist editions are showing up on Amazon now, which is obviously something that you previously didn't have access to. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Um, so with, with the Todd McFarlane one, again, I'm going to jump around a little bit, but with the Todd McFarlane volume, um, you know, what... 
I, maybe you can't say a lot of, but how many different kind of um, uh, holders of the artwork did you have to kind of go to? Like, was there a very I'm, kind of... I'm sorry, I, I, you dropped out there for a minute. Could sure. you repeat that? Yeah, basically the idea is that, you know, with the Todd McFarlane artwork, did you find there was a concentration of it with certain, uh, you know, people who bought the artwork, or was it pretty you know, roughshod in terms of very widely spread out in terms of who owned the pieces. Todd McFarlane collectors are, are, you know, very passionate about Todd's work. So, you know, there were several, there were several people who had a fair number of pages. Uh, There was one guy in particular who had just a ridiculous amount of pages, you know, and I think I wound up scanning maybe 90 pages that he alone had and I probably used close to 75 of those you know they were all for the most part really really nice pages wow when uh, so it's interesting so here's the uh, question that did pop into my mind look thinking about the Jim Lee one thinking about the Tom McFarlane I mean obviously you were kind of you were a dealer back when these guys first kind of hit it big did you ever have kind of these pages that kind of came in and out of your hands when you were actively working as a dealer oh of course so was was the passion oh, I mean I guess it was always there right like the people right from the beginning people really wanted to get their hands on on these two two particular guys artwork even back in the day well, you have to understand that those particular artists, you know, and some others really sort of revolutionized, for lack of a better word, comics at the time. I mean, you know, the, you know, the image style, you know, I don't think that's, that, that used to be a put down almost. And now it's um, almost a badge of honor. You know, those guys really did. Uh, do extraordinary stuff. They shook things up, and uh, fans took notice of that. You know, I mean, everybody has their own golden age of of what their particular thing is. You know, for me, it's and it, and it's generally you know between the ages of ten and fifteen years old. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's Jack Kirby's Commandy and jo- uh, Joe Kubert's Tarzan, Walter Simonson's. Manhunter, Neil Adams, Batman, and Green Lantern, you know, but, you know, for people who were 10, 12, 15 years old back then, you know, these guys were, you know, brand new and exciting, and, you know, that stays with you. Nostalgia is a huge part of these books. Mm -hmm. Now, going into something like this, and as you said, seeing as much of the original art as you have with Todd McFarlane, I mean, is there a thought in your head that there this might just be the first of maybe a couple volumes? I mean, it's interesting, like, obviously in the solicit you mentioned that there's, you know, 100 pages of interior uh, that are from the Amazing Spider-Man run. You have, have pages from the Spider-Man series. Then you also have a lot of the covers he'd done as well, you know, on Marvel Age, Marvel Tales, etc. So you have a, a nice cross-section of, of his work. In your mind, would you do another volume? Do you want to do another volume? Or would you want to kind of move on to a different project? Oh, you know, I, I'm always open to do to do other projects with people. I mean, it, it's a little bit tough because, you know, I to do another book, it would need to be as good as the first one. And the first one would be kind of tough to beat at this point. Hmm. Um you know, and the same thing really goes for um, some of the other artists that I've done books on over the last few years. You know, the Jim Lee X-Men book, you know, that would be tough to um, 
tough to top. You know, there's definitely a lot more X-Men stuff out there. Uh, but, you know, the first book, you know, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. And I think that uh, most people dig it. And, you know, I don't want to do something that's not going to be as good. You know, if there's, <clears throat> if there's someone like Jack Kirby, it's a lot easier because Jack Kirby drew, you know, a million pages. <laughs> so, you know, I've done, at this point, I, I'm not sure how many Jack Kirby books I've done. It's probably like seven, eight, maybe nine, mm. you know, between DC and Marvel. And the same thing with Walter Simonson. You know, a couple of Thor books, but then also uh, Manhunter and Batman um, and and others. You know, there's, it, it depends on the artist and their particular amount of output hmm. looking at like a, again like a, a franchise like the x-men for example and obviously you've done numerous x-men artifact or artist editions is there one that you haven't had a chance to do that you would really like like to jump at but just haven't had found the pages yet or it just hasn't had the market right for it what x-men yeah, x-men specifically yeah yeah oh sure of course <clears throat> you know i mean there, there are two guys that really just sort of scream out to be given the artist edition treatment, and that's Mark Silvestri and mm. Paul Smith. Oh, uh, of course. So I guess the question is, how, how close have you come, or how many of these types of pages from those two do you have you been able to scan thus far? Not nearly enough. <laughs> Now, this comes back to a question that we did talk about in the last one, the idea that, you know, you're kind of always roving. Like, you know, obviously there's there's specific projects that you're working on and trying to find scans of, but sometimes you'll just kind of come across scans and you kind of, uh, you know, you have these scans that don't have a home yet, but eventually will and kind of in this back catalog. Um, you know, over the years, you know, how has, you know, how do you interface with that, that kind of back catalog? How often do you kind of think about these things that don't have a home yet, but you're still kind of working on it? Uh, as a long-term project? Um, you know, it's, it's hard to say. <coughs> Excuse me. I, um, I have so many scans of so many different things that, you know, someday I would love to be able to do, but, you know, um, at, at some point, I want to do a book that is, you know, for instance, a Marvel book of individual stories. Hmm. So, for instance, I have scans of this incredible Hulk story. Well, that's kind of funny that I said it like that. Um, <laughs> by by Tony Salmons. It um, appeared in Marvel Fanfare. It's a short story. Um, you know, he's, he's an artist that a lot of people don't really remember or know his work but um you know great artist and this particular story is my favorite by him and i have scans of it mm. so you know at, at some point if i ever do a you know classic marvel of the 80s book you know or something that that'll that'll be in there mm. now during the pandemic when obviously you know we had 
you know, all sorts of supply chain issues, et cetera. And so some of the books ended up kind of getting pushed back. How does that kind of impact your, you on the production side? Because obviously, like when we last spoke, you had, you know, you, you had the, I guess the final, uh, you know, uh, unbound version of the Dave Cockrum X-Men artifact that you were working on. You obviously had the Micronauts, you had X-Men by Jim Lee, and all those things were, you know, pretty close to coming out. And then, you know, obviously the pandemic happens, and so they, some of these the release dates gets pushed. Does that impact your you on the production side, or were you still working apace? And now, eventually, we just have to kind of uh, have this content all kind of get published and adjust that schedule. Or how did that impact how you were working on the production side? You know, I I continue to work on stuff. Um, you know, there were, the supply chain definitely has slowed things down you know uh, new lockdowns in China definitely affect artist editions you know for instance not an IDW book but the John Paul Leone Winterman artist edition mm-hmm. um, you know I was hoping that would actually be out by now um, in May uh, but it's you know at this point it's been printed but not not cut um, or and folded um and I haven't seen an FNG, which is sort of the <clears throat> final version of the un, um, unbound book. You know, I've been told I'll, you know, I've been told for the last month and a half that I'll get that soon. And, you know, it's not the fault of our printer. It's the fault of just the world, you mm-hmm. know, and not being able to get things done. You know, all the different shutdowns, um, you know, it has, it has a huge impact on stuff. Um, Hopefully, um, hopefully I'll get that FNG soon. Um, but other books, you know, kind of funny. Like we we just released the um, a new printing of Dave Stevens' The Rocketeer Artist Edition, which was the very first artist edition I ever did. Mm-hmm. And so we're doing um, a 40th anniversary version. It came out last week. And, um, you know, that one, that one actually went fairly smoothly, maybe because, uh, it was a new printing, but I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing that definitely feels like it, it, they've expanded or there's a lot more in the last couple of years since we last spoke is, you know, when we first had our conversation, we talked about the artisan editions. So we had, you know, kind of a, a smaller trim size, more affordable uh, way of getting some of these more out of print books into people's hands like the Mazzucchelli uh, Born Again. And now we've had a lot more coming out in the last couple of years. What has been the general response to these artisan collections? Um, pretty good, actually. They're, um, you know, we have, you know, it's hard for me to keep track of when these things come out and if they've come out, but, you know, there's a an artisan edition of the John Buscema Silver Surfer book mm-hmm. um, that's either out or about to come out. Uh, there's a Mike Mignola's Hellboy artisan edition, um, the first uh, Mignola book that we did. Mm-hmm. Um there's uh, the Gil Kane Amazing Spider-Man, which is um, coming out, I think, in July. Uh, and then I just approved yesterday uh, a Best of EC Stories Artisan Edition, which is uh, not any one particular book, but rather it has stories from all the different EC books. I mean, at this point, you know, I've done... One, two, three, four, five, at least five or six EC books. And um, anybody who knows me knows it's not a surprise that I'm a UGC fan. <laughs> EC is 
you know, to me, the best line of comics ever. You know, it uh, um, it was Camelot. You know, it just um, was just as good as it gets, especially the last four years. Um, so this particular book has 27 stories in it, and it has 11 artists and just, you know, some of the absolute best stories, the best of the best that we've done. You know, there's um, two, I think, I think two of Kurtzman's absolute best stories. Um, Krigstein, three phenomenal stories. Williamson has five amazing stories in it. Wood, uh, four, including one that's never been published in an artist edition before, a story called Ingratitude. Oh, wow. Uh, that was able to track down a couple of years ago, and so I put it in this book, too. Um, and, you know, Jack Davis, Reed Crandall, uh, Johnny Craig, um, arguably his best stories, Whirlpool, and especially Touch and Go. You know, it's you know I could I could talk about that book a lot, and I'll just bore people. So let's move on. <laughs> well, I have a question about the EC stuff. I mean, it feels like um, obviously for you know books publishing stuff that was originally Marvel or DC, uh, we're talking like obviously older legacy stuff that would be relatively easier to find some of these pages. How difficult over the years was it to find these EC pages? Um, EC stories are actually much easier to find than a lot of stuff okay. because in the in the early 1980s, uh, Russ Cochran had he's the guy who did the really the definitive collections of EC comics. It was the Russ Cochran EC library, um, and it was you know the entire thing all shot from black and white art. Well, the original art. Um, and then, you know, they were printed in black and white, just gorgeous. They weren't artist editions. They, you know, they were, they're, they're not made to look like an artifact, like the original art, but, you know, they're just great, great publications with beautiful stories, you know, the best stories ever. Mm-hmm. And so, um, uh, Russ, after he would publish a, a book, he then would actually auction off all the original art. And he did that for years. <clears throat> the The original art was owned at the, because of the contract at the time, owned by Bill, William Gaines. And the Gaines, um, let's see, how do I describe this? <laughs> so Gaines sold all of the art through Cochran and then uh, the artist received a percentage of those sales, um, which, you know, was a cool thing for him to do. He didn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so those stories, since all the stories are between six and eight pages, it made it very easy for people to keep them together. Mm-hmm. You know, most of the great EC stories, with some notable exceptions, are intact, are all kept together because they're only six, seven, eight pages. And so that made it very easy. You know, I you know, just had to track down the stories and then scan them. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Now, a, a, one thing I saw, and I, I'm curious only because I was I was just re-listening to our prior conversation, then I saw it on the uh, the AE index, which you've mentioned before as being a great resource. So it shows that there's a listing for Dan DiCarlo's Archie and Friends Artist Edition. Is that an actual coming out volume? Well, it was supposed to be, and I'm going to leave it at that. Okay. 
The only reason I bring it up is because you had mentioned in our previous conversation how much you wanted to get a Dan DiCarlo volume out there. So I, when I saw it there, when I was kind of prepping for our interview and looking at the AE index, I was like, oh, that seems interesting. So I'll leave it at that as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was a book that I really wanted to do. And um, we, uh, uh, we were going to do it, but then uh, some people changed their mind at the last minute. So what can you do with with a book like so? I'm going to go back to the Todd McFarlane for a second. So I mean, obviously, and actually, also talking about the Jim Lee one. Obviously, you had a relationship and a you know a friendship with with Jim Lee. What was your? Did you have any kind of connection to Todd, or you know, did you speak to Todd about this upcoming? Obviously, you would have had to. But what was his his input or his take on the upcoming collection? Um, you know, Jim, I know very well. Um, you know, I've known him for. I don't know, since, God, 35 years. <laughs> um, Todd, I've, I've known for a number of years. You know, we're not, we're not uh, good friends like I am with Jim. Um, but, um, you know, we've, uh, we've spoken before. And when the book came about, I sent him an email. And I, asked, I, I told him about it. And I asked him if he'd be interested in um, uh, maybe doing a signed and numbered version uh, he sent me back a nice email saying that uh, thank you, but you know he's not interested in doing signed and numbered stuff for other companies outside of Image, which you know fair enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, um, and that was pretty much it. You know that was uh, it. I I I told him that I'd be happy to send him uh, a hard drive of all the scans if he wanted it. So you know at some point I'll I'll do that. Mm. When uh, when before the Jim Lee version came out or the Jim Lee Artist Edition came out, I remember seeing um, uh, I guess a, a video that Jim had put up as he kind of unboxed his own copy and kind of looking through it, and it was it was pretty cool to see how excited he was to kind of see all that kind of original art uh, rescanned and, and, and in the book. Did you watch that video? Oh yeah, yeah, sure. So what, 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 what? So as someone who knows Jim and is a friend of Jim. Um, was it pretty cool to be able to kind of give him this, like this, 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 it's kind of like a time capsule of a very important period of his life, obviously, that meant a lot to a lot of people. Um, so what was that kind of, what was it like working with him or talking to with him about what this was going to be and then seeing what the finished product was? Um, you know, we didn't really, we didn't really talk about the book as, as far as what would be in it. Uh, I'm not even sure if, you know, he knew Scott Williams took a more active interest in it uh, because Scott's an art collector and uh, um, and uh, you know likes the artist editions. Um, you know, he it was it was nice to watch that because it was you know a very genuine, real reaction to it. You know, and it was cool to see him talk about some of the pages and talking about some of the different things, especially the issue that uh, had. Um, uh, Jim and Wills working on together, you know, sort of trading pages back and forth. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Uh, was that X Men two sixty nine? I can't remember. I can't remember but, off the top uh, of my head. Yeah, but um, so yeah, it was it was nice to see that the reaction. You know, I mean, Jim, um, you know, he loves art. He loves uh, things like that. So yeah, it was nice. It's very cool. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I have uh, once again I have uh, enlisted the. Uh, questions from the Marvel Masterworks Forum because they have a lot of a lot of questions for you. You're a very popular gentleman. Uh, so if, if you're if you're willing, I have a, a bit of a lightning round of a series of questions for you. Um, 
who who are the questions from? So it's it's people who are from the Marvel Masterworks forum. Um, but oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and so okay, the, and and, and uh, uh, there might be a couple of questions on different projects that I'm just going to say no comment on for now. Absolutely, that is your prerogative. All right, so we'll start off with some hopefully some easy ones. Uh, so this one I actually thought was a really good question, and I'd love to hear your interpretation or what you can say about it. So he asked uh, if you can explain to listeners how reading and looking at the original artboards is a different experience from reading a printed comic. Uh, for those who may not have actually picked up an artist edition yet or don't really understand what, maybe what the fuss is about, um, how do you feel, you know, what is different about that experience to you? Okay, I'll tell you, um, I'll tell you a short story. Sure. So in, um, um, in the, I don't know, maybe 92, 93, 94, uh, before I moved to California, before I started working, at uh, Wildstorm for Jim. Um, I was an art dealer, and I remember when the very first issue of Preacher came out. And I went out, you know, I knew it was coming out. I'm a fan of Garth Ennis and a fan of Steve Dillon. And um, I read that first issue, <clears throat> and that was the only comic of that series that I read because I called up Steve and I told him that I loved it. I thought it was hysterically funny and I wanted to buy every single page from then on. <laughs> and so I, we worked out a deal and from that point on, I would go to DC because I, you know, there was a uh, release on file for me to pick up the art. And I went. I'd go to. I'd go to DC Comics, and you know, every few months, and I'd pick up three issues, and I'd bring them home, and I'd read them, you know, on the actual original art. Um, and I had a feeling the art was not lettered on the actual boards themselves, but I asked Steve if they were pasted up on the originals, and he said they were, hmm. because that was important to me. I mean, half the appeal. I mean, the art's great, but the stories are so much fun. The dialogue, it's just a great experience. And so, you know, I, I've, over the years, I've bought a ton of original art and a ton of complete stories. And it's just fun reading it in that, in that way, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I, I like the whole experience of the art of seeing it in black and white of really seeing how it's put together. So, for me, you know, reading from the original art is just an enhanced experience. Hmm. That's a good answer. Actually, I was I was thinking about this recently because um, I was flipping through my Gil Kane artist edition and uh, in issue one twenty one of Amazing Spider Man, where you have the classic kind of Spider Man, you know, shaking his fist, uh, the fact that you know Gwen just died, and being able to kind of see the line work and see that originally the hand was in a different spot and that it had been sure. kind of uh, you know erased and kind of put in that more iconic pose. And I obviously knew the issue very well, but seeing it in that kind of in the originals and seeing that it was almost a different, slightly different you know kind of look was really interesting to kind of see how that was a choice because it had to accommodate you know the text that was there so they had to kind of scrub it out and redraw the hand so I thought it was really interesting so yeah it's one of those kind of things that you know unless you're really looking at looking for those details you're not going to see them but it's really interesting when you're there because then you can see the decisions you know that they have to make as they're going and it's really interesting to kind of see you know how you know again they had to you know uh, erase something and redraw something else to make it work Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. That that happens all the time. 
So the next question from actually the same person said, uh, has spending a lot of personal and professional time focused on original art affected your opinions on how comic book stories should be consumed? I don't think I've ever heard that question before. How they should be consumed. You know, whatever works best for anybody. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not a fan of digital digital comics but I don't have but that's personal I don't have any any problem with it mm-hmm. except I prefer actually having it you know bigger and being able to see it better you know especially with my old eyes <laughs> but um, um, you know I'm I'm a fan of I'm a fan of original comics you know on nice old paper and you know I like that experience but there's something to be said for um doing a nice deluxe package, you know, like of, um, for instance, Dave Stevens Rocketeer, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, to, to have that done, <clears throat> you know, all the art scanned again, and all the coloring done by Laura Martin. So, you know, you know, for, for something like that, you know, a, really what amounts to be a remastering, you know, I really enjoyed that kind of stuff. Um, I love, you know, artist editions just because I love art and, um, you know, and some, there are some companies out there that have done really nice artist editions. Um, graffiti designs comes to mind. Uh, you know, the, uh, the Ronin one is just a phenomenal piece of work. Hmm. Um, and so I really enjoyed that experience, but, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure if I answered that question exactly, but. You know, I think whatever works for you is, you know, completely valid. For sure. Uh, Next question. This is a bit of a long one, so bear with us. Uh, The success of the Artist Edition collection has ushered a variety of similar high-quality original art reproductions from other companies. We've seen many books showcasing art from the 60s and forward, but few older than the 60s, since original art boards had uncertain fates between the 30s and 60s. So bearing that in mind, does Scott have any books or artists between the 30s and 60s that he wished he could do as an Artist Edition? Well, the the one that I would like to do the most... Um, and I don't think it'll ever be possible because I've only I've only seen four originals, and I've only heard about four other originals of Jack Cole's Plastic Man. Hmm. You know, if if there was anything I would love to do, it would be a Jack Cole Plastic Man book. <clears throat> but you know, we've also um, we've also been lucky. We've done a lot of books that are you know back into the 40s and 50s between all the EC books, the Will Eisner Spirit books, Mm. uh, Basil Wolverton. Um, Yeah, so, I don't know. It is is definitely tough um, to do do older material material like that. Um, Although, you know, um, um, there's a lot more out there than people really realize. Hmm. Um, it's just a matter of, of tracking it down. So that's actually leads directly into the next question, which was, uh, collecting or compiling scans of original art sounds like a time intensive mystery. Original art may have been sold and changed owners multiple times since it was first created. Is the challenge of tracking down art part of the fun? Oh, sure. You know, I mean, you know, I'll tell you the, um, 
the Todd McFarlane Spider-Man book until three days before it went to Marvel for approvals, it had a totally different cover. Oh, really? And the you know, and I and the cover that I wound up using was Amazing Spider-Man 316, which is the first Venom cover, which is just you know a gorgeous cover. And I I've known where I've known where it has been for you know years. And the owner is a friend of mine, and you know I just couldn't get a scan out of him. And then finally, I just said, "Listen, you know I'm going to press on this. I got to get this book done. If you want this in the book, I'm going to put it on the cover. But I need a scan tomorrow." <laughs> and and I and I said, "It's got to be a good scan." And you know, so a good scan showed up, and so. You know, it's, you know, sometimes it really is, I mean, I don't want to like sound all grandiose or anything, but it is a little bit like, you know, Indiana Jones and, you know, tracking stuff down. (laughs) Um, And that is fun. You know, I really do enjoy that. I mean, it's, you know, you know, the thrill of the geek hunt. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool, though. I'm glad, glad you're able to get that cover. Me too. It's gorgeous. All right, next up, uh, this is from a different listener. I said, uh, with the John Paul Leon Kickstarter campaign experience, is there a possibility this strategy could be used to bring less popular artist editions out for fans? Uh, His example was comic strip uh, artist editions like Milton Kenneth, uh, Alex Raymond, Windsor McKay were some of the ones that came to his mind. Well, first off, um, um, let's use the word crowdfunding rather than Kickstarter because... Uh, that book was not kickstarted. It was done through a platform called Zoop. And uh, yes. um, those particular guys, one of them, Eric Moss, I've known for a while. He used to work at IDW. Really good guy. He's the guy that actually put together the Keona Reeves um, thing for Boom that was like, I don't know, like a $2 million crowdfunded thing. Uh, and that was, I think, through Kickstarter. Um, but, you know, the... The um, um, the campaign, the the John Paul Leon one's a little bit special because um, you know all the money went to JP's family, specifically his daughter's college education. Uh, for she wants to be an engineer, so um, that was uh, something that meant a lot to John Paul and and a lot to John Paul's wife Christina. Mm-hmm. Um, so. As far as crowdfunding, yeah, I think that there's there's a lot of room for that <clears throat> uh, for the right project. I mean, you know, like anything, um, you you have to get something that that hits people in a certain way. Um, you know, as far as uh, comic strips, you know, we've done two books, two artist editions. One was Peanuts. One was Bloom County. And you know, neither one of them set the world on fire for sales. Um, I'm more fond of the Bloom County one than the uh, Peanuts one. You know, I love Peanuts, but it was a challenge to, uh, you know, there were sort of some hoops that had to be jumped through to get that book made. And, you know, I would have done things a little bit differently, but that doesn't matter. Um, I mean, I would love to do, um, I would love to do a Terry and the Pirates book by Kniff. I would love to do 
a Rip Kirby book by Alex Raymond because, you know, honestly, people can talk about Flash Gordon all they want. That's not the stuff. I mean, the, <laughs> the real stuff is the Rip Kirby stuff. Um, I'd love to do a book that would be of um, Frank Godwin's Rusty Riley. You know, I mean, that work is just so great, but, you know, it's kind of dull. It's just a kid and his horse. Uh, but the work is just, you know, just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are a lot of comic strips that I'd love, I'd love to see done. You know, obviously I'd love to see something like Calvin and Hobbes, but, you know, that'll never happen. Um, and um, let's see, what else? There's, there's so many great strips. And, and also there, there has been an artist edition of Little Nemo. It was done by a, a French publisher um, with... I haven't even seen a copy of it. It goes for like, you know, you know, over a grand. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, it, it's got, I mean, from what I hear, it's got like actual wooden covers. So. Wow. I don't know. <laughs> so, but I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. Okay. Next question. Uh, is, a, is a Bruce Tim artist edition in the cards at all? He has a huge fan base that should make it a profitable venture. Well, I mean, you know, there's so many, those nice books that um, um, John Fless does um, of Bruce, you know, that's that's probably the best you're going to get, you know. I mean, you know, Bruce hasn't really done an awful lot of comic book pages, you know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he, um, I, I, know I know Mad Love is uh, completely dispersed and broken up because I sold it. <laughs> <laughs> um but um, um, yeah, I, I think that would be tough. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I love Bruce's work. You know, he's a tremendous talent and uh, a good guy. So I would love to do it. I just don't think it would be possible. And you know, well, anyway. Fair enough. Um, and then I, I guess the last question for that particular uh, commenter was: Is there any further traction on DC getting back into the artist edition game, such as putting out a Batman Year One or something similar? Um, there's always hope <laughs> fair enough um, another commenter asked uh, when will the policy be changed so that we can either get a second printing or a smaller artifact of the John Byrne artifact edition uh, and if, if, if it is about Byrne change his mind uh, are you talking about the X-Men book specifically yeah, or yeah. Any of the- I think he's specifically talking about the X-Men one yeah uh, let's just say he'll be happy Okay. Uh, is there any hope yet that... Uh, oh, sorry. Another one about DC. I'll just go past that. Um, he also asked a, a same idea, though, about uh, if an, a deal could be made for more Warren properties. Um, you know, I, I definitely would consider it. You know, it's something, uh, you know, but um, not at this particular moment. Okay. Uh, this, I guess, is sadly timely, but what obstacles are there in the way of getting a vintage-era Neil Adams artist edition? Um, you know, I did the uh, Thrill Kill portfolio with Neil, and he was very, very happy with that. Um, he had some issues with... Uh, 
compensation on artist editions. You know, these um, these stories are owned by uh, DC and Marvel, and so he felt that it should be a higher royalty to the artist because all the artists do receive royalties on the books. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he had some issues with it. Um, you know, I would, uh, I mean, you know, Neil Adams was one of my absolute comic art gods, you know, I mean, his work in, at a certain time of my life was just as good as anybody, you know, I mean, you know, him and Barry Smith on, you know, a number of things and, Walter Simonson on Manhunter and Thor. You know, there are so many guys who really had a huge impact on me, and one of them is Neil, and I would love to do something with him. It's a little bit early to talk about that, though, right now. You know, I think that, uh, um, you know, I would love to see if that could be arranged. Okay. Uh, next up, we have a question about uh, what is the viability of a Doctor Strange by Various Artifact Edition? Um, I'm actually talking about doing a Doctor Strange book, but I'll leave it at that. Okay. Um, and no, it's not, and it's not Steve Ditko, so there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, another question here is, uh, are we done with the great John Buscema or is there any solid hope of more to come at this point? Um, there could be more John Buscema. I have a couple of other complete stories that, uh, I didn't put in the John Buscema book. Um, that was a very difficult book to do because I had too much great material. Um, and so if I would have put those other two stories in, I would have, not been able to put as many great Avengers pages Mm. and covers and all that stuff. Um, And so, and I wanted to really show, um, I have two Spider-Man stories and, you know, they're not, they're beautiful, but they're not what people think of when they think of John Buscema, you know, but um, the three stories that were in there, you know, the Avengers, Submariner and uh, Thor are are characters that are very well associated with Busama. So, you know, I made the choice of doing that. Um, and, uh, you know, at some point, uh, yeah, could uh, very well could be more John Busama published. Okay. Now, this is, this is a bit of a long question, but I, I do like it. With a massive increase in the popularity of original art and its movement into more disparate private collections, are you finding it creates difficulty in locating and scanning complete stories or otherwise connected pieces for publication? If so, does this difficulty correlate to the increased number of artifact editions, out-of-sequence material, and reprinted scans in recent books? How are your methods of tracking down specific works changing to suit a market in motion? You know, it's <clears throat> the books are dictated by what's available. They always have been. Mm. And, you know, I mean, you know, just the tradition is in mainstream comics to have books broken up and that makes it more difficult. I mean, if you have, if you have a penciler and an inker, you know, then you're talking about either a one third, two thirds split or a 50, 50 split, you know, I mean, occasionally people will have done, um, 
you know, every third inker goes, or every third issue goes to the inker. Um, but, uh, you know, aside from that, you know, traditionally stuff gets sold. You know, I mean, comic artists supplement their income on that. And so uh, it's not really the secondary market. It's more that they were sold by the original artists themselves. Um, you know, some people don't. You know, for instance, um, Walter Simonson, you know, the vast majority of the work he's done, he has kept. So, you know, it's it depends on, on what's out there. It, it depends on what, you know, is there. I mean, I'm a collector of original art and I have a number of complete stories. You know, like I, I own uh, Promethea Number 10 by J.H. Williams. Hmm. Um, I own a bunch of um, Archie stories by Dan DiCarlo. I own a couple of Jack B. Quick stories by Kevin Nolan. Actually, I own an entire painted graphic novel by Kevin, uh, Man Thing. Um, so it, you know, it, it just depends on what's what's out there, what's available. You mm-hmm. know, it's, it's it's not a matter of um, you know the changing market. It's a matter of uh, just you know being able to locate stuff. For sure. So this commenter just had a question about Don Rosa and just uh, if we're going to be getting a Life and Times of Scrooge McDuck Volume 2 at some point. Not as long as I'm alive. No, just kidding. Um, (laughs) um, uh, I spoke to Don fairly recently uh, about this and we're talking about uh, potentially doing a new edition of the first book and then doing the uh, the second one again. Um, uh, I would like to very much. You know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of uh, Don and his work. Absolutely. Um, this other commenter had a question uh, that they wanted to be, they were interested in knowing what the biggest obstacle is to completing the projects. Is it just getting access to the art or is it something else? You know, it, it depends. I mean, some people don't want to do artist editions. Um, you know, I, I've had, you know, I there are a lot of different, people, a lot of different estates that I've talked to, you know, I really wanted to do a, um, an Akira artist edition. And, you know, I, I talked to years ago, I talked to Potomo's people and they seemed very interested and they wanted me to send them some books. So we sent them a whole bunch of books and I think they just wanted free books because they never got back to us. <laughs> either that or, either that or they hated the books. Um, I, I tried to, uh, go for a book. Um, he wasn't interested, although he, he was a fan, he said of the, uh, mad book. Um, Richard Corbin was sort of the most interesting one. He said no to doing an artist edition because he did not think his work would stand up in that format. And I cannot think of very many people whose work would stand up as well as Richard Corbin's. Um, and, you know, there are others. It's, it's, I mean, I, I reached out to the Hergé estate. Uh, they weren't, they didn't respond. I reached out to um, Mobius's family and they didn't respond. Um, you know, you, you know, maybe someday. I'll never say never. For sure. 
And now, I guess one of my closing questions would be, and because we haven't really talked about it, but it was a big deal the last time we talked because it was coming up. What was the overall response to the Michael Golden's Micronauts? Because obviously that was that was a pretty big deal, and a lot of people were really excited about it. And the fact that you were able to get a bunch of sequential issues. So, what was the overall response when it finally came out? Um, it was great. You know the the uh, the main problem with that book was that we didn't print enough copies, and that's because <clears throat> it was the last book um, before going to PRH. If we would have went to PRH, that book would have had a much larger print run and a much wider uh, range of um, of sales. Um, but uh, but unfortunately, that didn't happen. Um, yeah, I was just saying that it, it's it's a uh, it's complex. It's complicated because you have both Marvel and Hasbro. Um, but we got it done once, and you know I'd like to do it again, especially if we can offer it through PRH. For sure. So I guess that does bring up the the natural question: is that you know with the extensive library of volumes that you guys have put out, how difficult is it to kind of. Uh, you know, re- bring one back or bring in bring in a new printing. I mean, obviously, you guys are always kind of focused on the next project and and the new material. So, what is it? What is that kind of process like of of reprinting or bringing something back into print? Each book's different. You know, some um, some are more challenging than others, but you know, it's not that difficult. Um, you know, now that we're again have a better source for distribution, it's. Um, a topic that we've discussed, you know, a bunch. Okay. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, new printings of uh, old books coming up. Okay. Anything else that you can tease us uh, with regards to upcoming books before we sign off? Well, I'll tell you that uh, there are a couple of books that are coming out in the next month. One of them is tomorrow, uh, and that is um, Parker... The Martini Edition, Last Call, mm-hmm. um, which took much too long to come out, <laughs> uh, and that's and that's completely my fault. Um, it was just a very difficult book for me to work on personally, mm. um, and um, um, but luckily, both Darwin's wife Marcia and Donald Wesley's wife Abby uh, both love it, and so um, that's you know that's all I can. Uh, really care about for sure um i'm happy with it i mean um sean phillips designed the book and he did a great job you know i as always i'm a control freak so i (laughs) gave him tons and tons of uh notes and and uh things i i wanted to do but um but he's a really talented guy and did a great job um and then um also Um, uh, in that book is a story a brand new story by Ed Brubaker and by Sean Um, that's you know really a a loving tribute to both Westlake and Darwin Um, and then in about a month um, there's another book that I'm pretty happy with and that's the uh, Captain Action Classic Collection which uh, reprints the entire Mini, well, it wasn't a mini series. It was a five issue. It wound up being five issues because we got canceled um, by Gil um, Kane, Wally Wood, and uh, scripted a couple of issues by uh, Jim Shooter. Uh, and I got very lucky on that book. You know, it um, 
Um, I was originally going to print from black and white Australian comics um, and have them, well, I scanned them all, um, and I was about to have them recolored. Um, and, you know, it would have looked, looked okay, it would have looked fine, mm-hmm. but I wound up getting really lucky and having uh, a friend of mine contact me out of the blue who he just... He just uh, sent me a message and he said, hey, would it help your book if you had first-generation stats of all the art? And uh, (laughs) two days later, I had all the stats, and four days later, he added them back. Um, And then uh, um, that particular book, it's it's cool in a lot of ways to me. It was a lot of fun to do. It took a long time. Um, The guys from Captain Action Enterprises were incredibly... um, supportive and you know they were they're very passionate about the stuff ed cato in particular and michael polis and uh um joe hearns um i hope i got that name right um and uh they they did a you know they were they were very supportive um one of the things that's really cool about the book is at that point in time uh comics used to have half page ads mm-hmm. in them and so the art is, you know, there were like 11 pages, 10 or 11 pages that only had half the art drawn. And rather than just leave them blank or put in, you know, just like a Captain Action logo, um, I thought it would be cool to do uh, fake ads, you know, sort of vintage style fake ads. So we have an ad for you know, the Captain Action board game. We have an ad for Captain Action, um, um, what uh, candy bars? You know, lady action action figures, things like that. <laughs> uh, Michael Polis actually designed all those, and he did a great job. They look really, really nice. It's one of my favorite parts of the book. Um, and then there's you know some extras because I can't do a book without putting extras in the back of it. Um, but uh, if if you like Wally Wood and Gil Kane, you should definitely pick it up. Very cool. And any other any other projects in particular? Obviously, we talked a lot about Todd McFarlane, so I don't I don't think that one needs a lot of pumping up. But uh, that's also coming too. Well, let's, let's see. So there are the other artist editions that I'm working on uh, at the moment. I have two that are on the schedule to come out next year, um, and it'll it'll probably incl- increase to four. Um, but you know, none I can really talk about right now. Okay, perfect. Well, Scott, again, thank you so much for taking the time and for answering all those questions. That was quite a lot of questions you went through, so I appreciate it. And I know that uh, everyone who asked questions appreciates it as well. So thank you so much, and thanks for the amazing work you do on these phenomenal collections. Oh, hey, it's my pleasure, and I'm really happy that you know people uh, people uh, like the books. I mean, you know, all the people, all the collectors over at the different message boards, you know, are just so supportive of them and. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's nice. Absolutely. Well, again, thank you so much. You have a great day. Thanks. Take care, Adam. Bye-bye.
Hi, listeners. Uh, this is Adam with a, a quick postscript. I realized af- after I had uh, cut the episode and was ready to uh, upload it that I realized I had not actually shouted out to some of the people who submitted questions, so I do apologize. So hopefully uh, you've listened right to the very end. Uh, D-Lo Tempio, uh, thank you for submitting some great questions. Zipper77, Silver Age Marvel Man, um, PKFOD or PKFOD, and CFD2. So those are just some of the people who uh, put in some questions, uh, and uh, I used many of those questions in the interview with Scott. So thanks again for uh, submitting them, and uh, thank you for listening this long into the episode to hear your uh, name shouted out. So thanks again. Uh, it was really helpful to have your questions to help, uh, you know, to direct the conversation in some interesting ways and get some interesting answers, hopefully. So uh, thanks again for uh, submitting those questions, and hope you enjoyed the episode. Bye-bye.